I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Hi, Shanti. Hello, Lynxy. How are you doing? I'm great. I wanted to say congratulations. Thank you. Shanti <laughs> just finished her yogurt. Yogurt? My yogurt. <laughs> My yogurt making class. You wouldn't put it past me to probably be into some, something like, stupid like that. That's a shout out to my dad whose favorite food is yogurt. <laughs> I guess anytime I say yo anything, it just comes out yogurt. <laughs> so that one's for you, pops. Um, but yes, congratulations on your yoga teacher training. Thank you. I completed it yesterday. We started in the dead of winter and it was every weekend for 13 weekends all day long. And it was amazing and it was ass kicking. I know. I know you you were just had so much work piled on you, but you powered through and congratulations. This is something to really celebrate. I'm excited for you. I'm excited Thank for you. you to teach me cuz I know nothing about yoga. Oh, it would be my honor and pleasure to to teach you and to help you discover. I think my dad actually also was like, 
all excited about you getting the yoga training done. Um, can we just give a shout out to our dads? I know, they're the best. Let's just do that because <laughs> we both have dads who are incredibly supportive, incredibly loving, who really like our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I got a text from my dad the other day, and he said, I re-listened to your 5440 interview, and I listened to your Fred Penner interview, and he said, I feel like I'm getting to know you better. Oh my god, that's the sweetest thing. I know, and we already know a lot about each other. We're like best friends in a way, because we do spend a lot of time together listening to music, mm-hmm. and just... Um, just yeah, like spending really good quality time together. So it was really special to hear that from him. It's true. I guess this is a side of us that our friends know a little bit more than our parents do. Yeah. It's uh, it's so nice that they're so supportive and excited for us. Yeah. And for those of you who might not know, my dad has multiple sclerosis. And so we're currently raising some money to go to just raise some awareness and hopefully try to find one day, hopefully sooner rather than later, a cure because there's currently no cure Mm -hmm. for MS and just it would go towards um, finding good treatment for people who are currently living with the disease and supporting family members and people who are living with it with the with this terrible terrible disease so uh, I can link up some I can link up my donation page if absolutely wouldn't mind throwing in a couple dollars otherwise good vibes love is is accepted as well that's great so what have you been up to lately other than the yoga um other than yoga I went to, well, the same night that you went to the Eagles of Death Metal concert, I went to a reception for Long Night with Vishkana. And so he has a show, like a panel show, kind of a talk show that is that has already aired on Bell Vibe. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they have to wait 37 days legally for it to be available on YouTube. Mm. And so he interviewed Denise Donlin on one episode. Oh, and I went up for audience participation and sang some terrible karaoke <laughs> into the mic. And uh, I had accidentally plugged our podcast on his show and he's not let <laughs> let me forget that <laughs> so we went to the reception and uh he got pizza for everybody and um this awesome girl named Aliyah from the imposter podcast did an interview with him her and i met we realized that they're we're both from sudbury and we're like holy shit like how what are the odds that two like young women from that went to pretty close like the same high schools yeah, doing the same kind doing of the thing. same kind of thing because it's kind of hard to come out of that town i mm-hmm. think and um because i don't know i didn't i never really again i don't want to shit on sudbury but i never really felt as creative as i could be in that i town. find it interesting that you say it's it's hard to get out of that town because uh, though it definitely is, I find that the ones who do, they're like all know each other. And if you know one of them and you're out, like you're automatically connected to all these people you didn't even know were from Sudbury, but are. And everyone is just so happy, like, oh, you made it. You're here. <laughs> yeah. we And we saw, um, we saw. LJP there, Linda. So shout out to Linda, who was the applause sign girl, and she was in her David Bowie tights on her way to um, 
do some stand-up comedy, do an improv yeah. show. and so Linda's was... the fiercest, most amazing, most hilarious woman I've ever met. I love her so much. Me too. Um, and speaking of other fellow dolls, um, I went to Eagles of Death Metal that night, unfortunately. Everything good always like happens on the same night. Yeah, so, so we, need to split, we need to kind of split up because I had plans on going and I said I really need to go to this Mm -hmm. so you go to this and then we'll just report back (laughs) so yeah I went with Lisa and Ellen uh, two amazing dolls Ellen is the most amazing artist you should check her out her uh, Instagram is called drawing Toronto she I, I can never get over how brilliant her pieces are and she she loves architecture and she draws these beautiful uh historical pieces of Toronto and definitely check that out um and the show itself was just amazing Eagles always bring such an energy and uh it was so great Jesse Hughes is just one sexy sexy fella Mm. and they even played my favorite David Bowie song they did a cover of it what's your favorite David Bowie song uh Moon Age Daydream oh that's a good one (laughs) <laughs> everybody would like to introduce you to ck <laughs> that was the meow that you just heard yes. um yeah so the dolls yeah amazing mm-hmm. and you know what it's just nice to be here with you sitting again just discussing things and we have uh, it's been a while an episode for you because we've been really busy with interviews yeah so thanks. it's been so much fun but yeah. i've definitely missed just us two chatting about an amazing woman so i'm excited I'm excited for this episode. So who's it going to be? So this one is all about Courtney Love. Mm. Now, she's definitely someone that you either love or love to hate, Mm -hmm. I would say. I personally love her. She was definitely one of my role models growing up. She's the first woman I can really remember seeing and being in awe that she was doing like what a man does. You know, you have this idea in your head, I guess, when you're a kid, especially because that's what's being fed to you. Like those rock star images about the dudes and all that. And um, just because of the time that I grew up, the early 90s, uh, Courtney was definitely the strongest woman uh, out there in, in the rock world. Yep. And... I do remember, like, being in awe and thinking, like, wow, like, a woman is doing this. Like, I can do anything. Like, if she can do it. And I remember, like, she always would get such a bad rap. And I would think, well, she's just doing what because the, the there men were, are doing. I'm sure there were a lot of female rock stars or pop stars at that time i'm trying mm-hmm. to think there definitely of, were um some l7 veruca salt babes in toyland i loved all of them as well but hole is definitely uh the most i guess mainstream the one that got played the most yeah and were we into like kind of girl groups yet or well, was this just before because i'm i'm not really familiar with courtney love mm-hmm. i like 
um, my friend Laura had put on Live Through This. Is that yeah. her album? Yeah. The other day, and I'm like, this is really good, but I've never actually listened oh, to it. So I, I missed her. Album. I totally missed the Courtney Love train. I'll so, let you borrow her CDs. So, okay, sure. So the information yes. that you're going to be giving me today, I don't know any of this. Oh, fabulous. I really don't know anything about her story, and I don't know anything about her music. Um, except that I listened to that one album the other day and I was like, this is really good. So I'm trying to think like... This was before um, like Spice Girls and all that. Spice, okay. Spice Girls came around in like 90, late 96, 97, I'd say. Um, Your cat is eyeing the water glass <laughs> and we've both had such problems with our cats knocking water. down water onto our computer onto our electronics that i think i'm just gonna drink this entire glass of water <laughs> set it and forget it because i cannot spend another two hundred dollars it's like he knows and the last time you were here in that exact spot he knocked over the water so <laughs> my cat knocked over a glass of water last night onto my laptop charger and i was like i can't believe i've let this happen again at least my laptop was in another area but oh. I'm just, um, I mean, I love these guys, but I'm sick of your shit. I know, okay? troublemakers. Trouble. Trouble. Trouble my mom calls them. Trouble. So, yes, Courtney was in the early 90s. She wasn't really part of the Riot Girl scene. Um, that was more like Bikini Kill and those bands, but she was definitely in that era. What is the Riot Girl scene? Um, in the late 80s, early 90s, a bunch of amazing feminist women started making zines and like pleasant pleasant was um like a generation before this mm. um but these women definitely uh were were inspired by pleasant and oh, those fantastic. those women okay. absolutely and yeah the riot girl scene um like kathleen hannah she really kind of brought that into the mainstream with bikini kill and it was just like a feminist movement uh you would love it honestly i i love it um yeah a feminist movement in the grunge rock kind of scene kathleen hannah her whole her whole motto was girls to the front and she used to call out like macho dudes who were taking center stage at our shows they still do that i was just uh at a slow dive concert the other day and that's it it was a guy's with broad shoulders taking up a lot of space in yeah. the front of the stage yeah and so kathleen used to call them out and be like no like i want the girls to the front and uh that's so cool yeah because usually we make it happen but it's almost like all of the girls at the front need to look at each other and go we're gonna make this happen yeah like we need to mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. yeah there's a really great documentary on her called uh the punk singer and it talks about Bikini Kill and the whole Riot Girl movement and all that. And funny enough, uh, Kathleen does have a connection with um, Courtney and Kurt. <laughs> she was friends with Kurt back in the day, and she actually wrote on his wall. Kurt Facebook wall? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, a real wall. Um, Kurt smells like teen spirit. Mm. And she meant the uh, deodorant, teen spirit at the time. But he took that smells like teen spirit and turned it oh, into cool. yeah. And she also had a very unpleasant interaction with Courtney Love once, where Courtney, um, I think, sucker punched her at a show and like beat beat her up. And Courtney ended up getting sued for it. <laughs> so their their relationship is a little more strained. But uh, anyway, so let's get into Courtney's story. 
Um, she was born Courtney Harrison in July, July 9th, 1964 in San Francisco, I believe. Um, her dad was actually a roadie for the Grateful Dead. Cool. Yeah. Um, her mother, I don't think when she was born, but, um, as Courtney grew up, her mother became a psychologist. I'm just going to give a shout out to my favorite roadie of all time, Daryl. Daryl, I love you. <laughs> You're the best. Roadies are the best. Yeah. So Courtney, um, her parents split when she was five in 1969. She moved to Oregon and then to New Zealand and then back and forth. And she, like Kurt Cobain, actually had an upbringing where it was like both parents kept shuffling her off to the back and forth mm -hmm. they didn't really i guess want to take care of her that much um damn yeah at 14 she ended up going to reform school because she was caught shoplifting and then i think she went into foster care for a short while she ended up emancipated when she was 16 she finally got out of there um that's when she sort of started getting into the rock and roll scene she started also working as a stripper around this time, and I think that's where the love in Courtney Love, uh, when she started using that as her surname. Um, I know she also spent a short time in Ireland because her dad moved there for a while. Uh, she has she has strained relations with her parents. I don't think her f and her father have spoken in years. Uh, her father has actually written a couple books about her. Oh. One sort of alluding to the fact that it's possible that she did murder Kurt. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you can understand why she doesn't really feel the need to spend time with her father. No. Um, so do you think that was kind of for like exploitive reasons like he wanted that yeah it's a cash grab kind yeah of thing. absolutely and he actually has also been in documentaries talking about her and you know what a crazy child she was and how she, she he's not surprised all this has happened and things like that he's definitely taken advantage i think her mother might have actually written something too i'm not really positive but Okay. Yeah. Okay. A, a picture is being is being painted yeah. here. You know, some people have ideas starting to make sense. People have ideas of Courtney. Like she didn't come from an easy background. Yeah. There's reasons why everyone are the way they are. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was around this time that she began trying to figure out if she wanted to go the rock and roll route or if the film route. And in 1985, she actually tried out to play Nancy in the film Sid and Nancy. Oh, wow. She didn't get that part, but she did get a minor role in the film. Um, then she lived in New York for a while. She was a stripper there. Uh, Alex Cox, the man who directed Sid and Nancy, ended up using Courtney in his next film, Straight to Hell, which also stars amazing people like Joe Strummer and Grace Jones. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Um she also, while in New York, did something with Warhol, and she's in the Ramones 1988 video for I Want to Be Sedated. Mm. Anyone, uh, it's, a, it's a crowded video, so anyone who is wondering which part she is, she's the bride, and you'll, you'll be able to spot her. 
Um, but she wasn't really happy in the film scene. So she ended up going to Alaska. She said that she needed to get her shit together and learn how to work. And she went on this quest and, uh, she worked as a stripper there as well. And apparently the quest did work because she realized music was definitely the route that she wanted to go. You know what? I think I just need to go to Alaska and get my shit together. (laughs) If I just disappear for a couple weeks at a time, just Just, just tell everybody that Shanti's in Alaska getting her shit together. While stripping? (laughs) Sure. Possibly. Yeah, Yeah, I have to to find a cool, like, exotic dancer name, but... After that, I'll be good to go. All right. So I think around this time, she also started like playing guitar. And uh, she, for a very small time, was in a band with Kat Bieland and Jennifer Finch, both of whom ended up in separate uh, bands from the like Riot Girl movement, Babes in Toyland and L7 both of which are amazing. I got to see them live last year. Last year? Yeah, I think it was last year or the year before. Awesome. In Toronto? Yeah, they were awesome. I I grew up also admiring those women. So, uh, And both had sort of stopped playing for a long time, so I never thought I would actually get to see them live. It was, it was great. <laughs> so now we're at around 1989, I would say. Uh, she, I was a solid one year old. Yes. Um, she actually married a man named James Moreland, but they got annulled. It got annulled three months later. Um, and she also started having an affair with Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. He was probably really hot, right? At like uh, 19. Yeah. He still had hair then. Um, there's a great video actually of Courtney, um, not that bald isn't sexy. No. Bald is sexy. Just um, commenting that he had hair because of this story I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, she, in, I think it was an unplugged set at MTV. You can find it online. I'm, I'm positive. Uh, she introduced one of her songs saying, like, I wrote this about a boy um, who did me wrong or something. And then she was like, but I cursed him and he's going bald now. <laughs> and so, you know, that one's about, that one's about Billy. <laughs> All right. So, yes. 1989 is also the year that Hole played their first song as a band. And by 91, they had recorded their first album called Pretty on the Inside. Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth actually produced it. Cool. It's a lot more uh, rough than uh, the later whole albums. They they became more polished. I I still like it, but it's definitely not to everyone's taste. It's a pretty interesting band name. Whole? Yeah. Yeah. Like instead of just going by like Courtney Love, going by just uh, going by a band name, the band name being whole i think she said that she she definitely didn't want to be a solo artist she, mm-hmm. she really did want that band dynamic uh and i think the the name whole came from something her mother once said to her something about having a hole or filling the hole or so, something like yeah it could go a lot of yeah. ways 
So, yeah, she's dating Corgan, and I she's still with Corgan when she meets Kurt for the first time. That's in 1991, in May. They met at a butthole surfers gig in L.A. Apparently, she, she already knew who he was, of course, and had a big crush on him. And apparently, when they met, they wrestled, like, really rough, like, on the ground, like, actually fighting. And Courtney said later that it was a mating ritual for dysfunctional people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Although, um, I that reminds me of when I was in high school. Yeah. So the let's let's talk about Sudbury again. So I didn't spend a lot of time there. I'd always go back to like I from the small town outside of Sudbury where I grew up, and I went to elementary school in Lively, mm-hmm. and I had brothers. I still have brothers, but it was just very much I was surrounded by boys. All of the time. There just seemed to be more boys mm-hmm. up in Northern Ontario. So if anybody's like, where are the men at? The Go at? there. That's where they are. And uh, there is this one friend of mine named Jordy. And that's what we would always do at parties. We'd somehow end up out on the lawn wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it was probably some weird kind of... I actually remember of- like, wrestling as a kid as well with the boys sometimes. This is like before puberty. It's not, it was never like a sexual thing. By the time puberty hit, I was not wrestling. Yeah, no, we definitely. (laughs) That was, that was your way of, uh, (laughs) that was foreplay in Sudbury? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) No, it always stayed like pretty innocent with him. It was kind of nice to just stay that way. Like it was a kind of weird opportunity to touch each other. Um, Yeah, no, because he was always kind of with uh, with somebody. Either it was, it, it might have been, it was probably unofficial at that time, but she always kind of kept an eye out for me. And they're married now, doing some really incredible things together. They've got a Winnebago, and they've got a beautiful dog and cat, and they're both sexy as hell. <laughs> and it took a few years, but finally she was like, okay, you guys are just friends and she let her guard down a little bit and now we're all friends which is really that's nice. always great it was a kind of a high school thing though where she kind of set had her eyes on him and was yeah. like this guy is gonna be mine so stay away from him and i like respect yeah like, he's a sure. beautiful smart and guy and they're having but anyways we had a good time wrestling cool and that was pretty much just it well after their wrestling match they did not begin dating right away even though love was like extremely smitten with him um, Kurt was recording Nevermind, which we all know blew up and became their a huge, that's really what shot them to number one. Um, they were flirted at other events, but there was one incident, I believe, where Kurt left with two other girls mm-hmm. and Courtney had like a fit and got really upset about it. But Courtney is also still kind of with Corgan, I would say at this time. How old were they? Uh, uh, Courtney is a few years older than Kurt, so so it's ninety one, and she was born in sixty four. You do the math, people. <laughs> like around twenty seven. Okay, say. so they're a bit older than I assumed that they would be at this uh, point. I would say Kurt was probably like twenty four, maybe. I'm not positive. I don't okay. know when he was born. Um, 
but he def- he was not really looking for anything serious because he was so focused on his music and everything. And Nirvana ended up heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stay focused on my music. <laughs> you can't be my number one right now. <laughs> So Nirvana began... So if you're okay with being my number two, then I guess we can make this work. They began a headline tour, and Courtney heard through the grapevine, through the rock and roll grapevine, that Kurt had been asking about her. So she ended up tracking them down. She They were in Chicago. She flew to Chicago. Apparently, their first night together... Um, Kurt tried on all the lingerie that Courtney had brought to Fuck seduce yes. him with. And Kurt, love when that happens. Kurt and Dave Grohl were sharing a room and Dave was like kicked out of the room and had to sleep with the sound guy because Aww. Kurt and Courtney were having their moment together. And pretty much after that, uh, they they were a couple and it wasn't soon after that they ended up getting kind of like a junkie couple, like a, oh. a new Sid and Nancy. Um, when Nirvana and Hole were off tour, the pair ended up getting a place in L.A. and they settled into that whole uh, junkie atmosphere. It's there that Courtney ended up getting pregnant. Now... She was doing heroin when she got pregnant. She says after that, after she found out, she went to the doctor. It was the first trimester. She was told, if you get clean, your baby will be fine. So that's what she did. Uh, The pair ended up getting married in Waikiki, in Hawaii, on February 24th, 1992. If you look at the... Yeah, if you look at the photos, Kurt is wearing his pajamas. <laughs> so it was a little, like, lax on the formalities, but beautiful. Got married on the beach. And that August, August 18th, 1993, uh, Francis was born. F.B. Yes, Francis Bean. And when Francis was born, they moved to Seattle. Now, around this time, the a Vanity Fair article came out by Lynn Hirschberg, I believe it is, uh, talking about she got quotes from anonymous sources that the scene in their home was very ugly, needles, junky, this, that, that Courtney had been doing heroin her entire pregnancy it was such a big deal that Child Protective Services came in once Frances Bean was born to make sure they were fit to be parents. After a big battle with that, they got custody of her. Um, but that really upset Kurt especially, and that sort of drove him deeper into his depression and uh heroin use um so i haven't seen any of the um montage of yeah so i haven't i haven't seen that i don't know a whole lot about him i'm sorry but was he like manic depressive was he like what was i don't think mental health wise what was going on there i don't think he was ever like fully diagnosed he definitely was 
depressive though i don't like think got famous any... didn't like the fame i don't yeah. know like it just that's the vibe that i get he, that... he actually talks about attempting suicide before like as a teenager as well mm-hmm. so he, he like kurt like uh courtney had a childhood that was perfect until his parents split and then it was being shuffled back and forth never feeling truly loved by each um i think her mother or had like a whole new family or and so did his dad so suddenly he had step siblings and he really got kind of pushed out and uh that really affected him he also says um that he had really bad stomach pains and he's used um that as an excuse for why he shot heroin because he says that that's the only thing that relieved the pain in his stomach yeah i guess they didn't have nice vape oils with like low thc and high cbd it's an interesting thing because maybe that would have helped him it's never really been confirmed that he definitely did have stomach ailments and some people say that he didn't and that was his excuse well, what the fuck do they know exactly like it's but like you can't imagine being in that position if and you being in this and being in the spot like like that like that's of also course, like stomach stress absolutely and, and if you and, look at his artwork um a lot of his pieces uh are like very much body parts and he definitely has pieces that are like guts and intestines and that was a, a he focus some for him. Third chakra work. Yeah, sounds like. So yeah, he's he's um, he's struggling. In October '93, Hole um, recorded "Live Through This." Cool. Now, on March third, nineteen ninety four, in while they were in Rome, Kurt Cobain took an overdose he said or love said that he took 50 rohypnols and he ended up in a coma for a while he had to go to the hospital they had to pump his stomach uh, love has said that this was a definite suicide attempt nirvana's publicists have said it isn't so have all the conspiracy theorists about the kurt and courtney thing um but Courtney said that he did leave a suicide note and his his um, publicist and stuff confirmed that he did leave a note. So, I mean, that sounds like an attempted suicide. point yeah. two. And, of course, one month later, on April 5th, that's when Kurt committed suicide in Seattle. So, we know that was, well, some of us know that was a suicide. Others think that Kurt... Uh, Courtney had something to do with that Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in their home yes and they had like a little garage area it wasn't like in the main house it was in like um, a side house Mm. sort of thing that's been demolished yeah otherwise I'm sure people would be like showing up there all the time like Jim Morrison's gravesite or something um, there are other places in Aberdeen where he grew up that have sort of become memorials to him. He has a song about uh, living underneath a bridge 
and that bridge passage is uh, a a go to for oh Nirvana. I um I said that like I haven't listened to like either of them but actually I I in high school I went through a phase where I did listen to the unplugged album that oh, they yeah. had that's a wonderful depressing oh yeah I, and again like it's I don't know how anyone can claim that Kurt wasn't depressive or suicidal or I mean there's all you have to do is listen to his music it's definitely there you, like you feel he's going through something you know but back to Courtney um unfortunately Kurt committed suicide April 5th and just like a couple of days later live through this was scheduled to be oh, released. oh shit so that came out like right on the heels of his death now the question is i'm wondering was this good for her album or was it detrimental did people I would eat say it up and it was good mm, interesting it definitely helped sales yes and I I would say she definitely utilized it, too. Oh. Um, it's a fitting title, though the title had been picked long before the incident. Uh, in June, just three months later, their bass player, Hole's bass player, she ended up dying of an overdose as well. Oh. So it was just one on top of the other. And... Uh, Kristen was replaced with uh, Melissa Oftemar, who's Canadian, I believe. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so they ended up doing a world tour that fall for like over a year. C- Courtney really poured her energy into that. And she said since that that focusing on work definitely like saved her. Um, sure. And who's was- taking care of FB at this time? Courtney. Okay. And a nanny, I assume. Okay. And so that was like 94. And after the world tour, I would say around 1996, Courtney started getting back into acting. And she ended up doing a couple films from like 96 to 2000 ish uh, Basquiat, 200 Cigarettes, Man on the Moon, uh, People. People versus Larry Flint. And with that one, she ended up actually being nominated for a Golden Globe. Right. And that film really helped her because Milos Forman, the director, he insisted that she go to rehab and remain clean for the entire shoot. And he had her take urine tests and everything throughout the entire thing to prove it. Nice. So she really cleaned up her act then. And from 1996 to 1999, she dated Edward Norton. Oh. Right? Very random. I love Edward Norton. Yeah, me too. Um, 1998, Celebrity Skin came out. That was like a huge album for them. That was probably considered their greatest success. Great album. Um, from 2003 to seven. Those were very bad years for Courtney. She so in ten years, over ten years, there's been two albums. Um, from eighty or from ninety one to two thousand or to nineteen ninety eight, they put out three albums. Oh, okay, because we talked about live through this and then pretty on the inside. On the- oh, yep, and celebrities. Okay, got it. So they ended up breaking up 
after that, Melissa Hoftemar did her own thing. Oh, I should mention also uh, on Celebrity Skin, Billy Corgan co-wrote about five songs on that album with her. So they're they're still sort of on-off friends. They they also have a like a love hate thing. She has that with a lot of people. <laughs> um, yeah, two thousand three to two thousand seven were not the best years. She ended up doing a solo album called America's Sweetheart that didn't really do so well, and she started getting back into drugs. And she, is this when she's kind of like showing up drunk on panel shows and stuff? Yes. Okay. There's a really bad David Letterman thing. I think she actually said she was on crack on that. Oh God, David Letterman. You can tell she's messed up on something. And uh, she had some bizarre Howard Stern moments, and it was not good. She ended up getting arrested a few times for drug-related offenses and was sentenced to six months lockdown rehab. And she got clean, and she said that she's been clean ever since. Okay. So I think that was 2007. So cool. It's been, it's been a while for her. In 2010, Hole put out another album, I think. That sounds about right. Um, that was their last one. They haven't put out anything since, but Courtney still tours as whole. Um, recently, she's been touring with Lana Del Rey. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I know Lana Del Rey is also friends with uh, Josh Tillman and Emma Tillman yeah. of Father John. He's Steen. in one of there's her some, videos. Yeah, there's some stuff going on there. and um, She's an interesting artist. Yeah, Courtney Love's been on a couple of podcasts. And yes, I was... She, gonna say um she also acts in the theater still and she still does tv she's recently been in empire revenge sons of anarchy and she's been doing films again too so yeah and that makes me happy yes in 2009 when she was still kind of just getting out of that drug era she ended up losing custody of francis bean there was a restraining order put on her. Frances became into the care of Kurt's mother and sister. But time has sort of been helping to repair her relationship with her daughter. Yeah, I saw a picture of them online yeah. a couple days ago, both the of two them, of them. Both of them post photos of hanging out with each other and stuff. So it's nice to see that's definitely been on track. And in 2015, Frances Bean helped produce Montage of Heck. Uh, the Brett Morgan documentary on Kurt. Anyone who's interested in seeing firsthand what Kurt and Courtney's relationship was like, there's lots of home video in that. Some's very hard to watch, uh, but you get an idea. I want to see it. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and C- Courtney is an advocate for stricter gun laws for LGBT rights. She's a feminist. She endorsed whoop, whoop. Hillary. Good. So, yeah, she's been really great. Uh, so that's sort of Kurt and Courtney's story and Courtney. But the amazing thing about Courtney is she's not only a musician herself and she's not only a muse to people like me and... Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's been a muse uh, to many other people. I feel like if there were a crown for a person with the most songs written about them, Courtney <laughs> would certainly be a, a strong contender. 
man, what do you call it when, oh, um, she's just, she's like full of perseverance. Yeah. Like she just kept going. Yeah. Like, and so many people talk shit about her and she gets such a bad rap. And like she, I was reading an article recently and she said, like, I still get so many, uh, drug comments and stuff, but she's been clean for a decade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, come on. I don't know. I would never, I would never say anything against anybody who had any kind of, no. um, you know, substance abuse issue. It, go, it goes far beyond Absolutely. Than just like, you made this choice. And, and if you, they've uh, gotten clean too, that like they, that should be all, all the more celebrated. Yeah. They, it shouldn't be a reason to tear someone down. Totally. So I collected, um, a bunch of songs that, for better or worse, Courtney may have inspired. A lot of these people have not uh, come forward to s- and admitted that it's about her. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's certainly difficult to argue otherwise. So I'm going to start with one that we know is definitely about her and one that you love. Yay. Um, so... While the two have apparently buried the hatchet, it's no secret that Dave Grohl and Courtney Love have shared a very love-hate relationship. Uh, After Kurt's death and many rows in and out of the courtroom, Grohl took his frustrations to paper and penned, I'll stick around. Mm. Uh, The song was released in 1995 on their self-titled debut. Mm -hmm. Um, Fans took lyrics such as, how could it be I'm the only one who sees your rehearsed insanity to be directed toward love? Uh, Grohl himself denied these rumors for years, but finally in 2009, he came clean and admitted that it was about her. Uh, It wasn't just the fans that were searching for possible digs, though. Courtney herself in 1999 told Howard Stern she believed the song Stacked Actors was also... Stacked actors, stacked to the <laughs> rafters, line up all the bastards, all I want is the truth. Exactly. song. When Grohl was asked about that one, he said, I wrote Stacked Actors about everything that is fake and everything that is plastic and glamorous and unreal. So if that pertains to anyone that comes to mind, then there you go. Hmm. So, not confirming it, but saying, hey, if you see a similarity, there you Cry go. Cry when they all die blonde. Um, the next one, hard to say if it's about her, but there's a Babes in Toyland song called Bruise Violet. Now, Kat Bieland denies this song's about Courtney. It's difficult to believe for multiple reasons, though. In the band's early years, Love lived with a member of the group and almost became bass player for Babes in Toyland. Love and Bieland also share a very similar look. The red lipstick, the blonde, messy hair, the baby doll dresses. Uh, many think Bieland was angry at Courtney for stealing her look. It also doesn't help that in the music video, it features a Bieland love doppelganger. So if it isn't about Courtney, I feel the band certainly cashed in on making people believe it could be. Okay. In a Rolling Stone interview in 1995, Bieland was asked if she thought that the whole song Violet was a response to Bruise Violet. 
And she said, no, maybe, I don't know. I like the song Violet. If we can write good songs back and forth like that, then whatever. So Love has stated that Violet is actually about her relationship with Billy Corgan, though. So that's one song that Corgan was It's all was subjective, I guess. Yes. And there a you good go. Good song. Billy Can Corgan many was a muse as well. Good, you know, good piece of poetry. Good, yeah. So this layers next and layers and layers. is a fun one. People probably won't expect it. Uh, while doing an interview with Seventeen Magazine, Courtney Love was quoted as saying, being famous is just like being in high school, but I'm not interested in being the cheerleader. I'm not interested in being Gwen Stefani. She's the cheerleader. I'm out in the smoker shed. So Gwen wasn't too pleased with this comment. And she stated, someone called me a cheerleader negatively, and I've never been a cheerleader. So I was like, okay, fuck you. You want me to be a cheerleader? Well, I will be, and I'll rule the world, and just you watch me. And then she wrote Holler Back Girl. Mm. And that was a big song, wasn't it? Yeah, it was huge. And if you remember in the music video, she's like a band leader and like playing up the high school thing. So she's never said directly, this is about Courtney Love, but look at these quotes. It's pretty Great. obvious. Yeah. Uh, Gwen or Courtney also claimed that she hooked up with Gwen's ex-husband, uh, the Bush frontman Gavin, Gavin Rossdale. Sexy guy. She says that she hooked up with him while him and Gwen were still together. And she, Courtney has also said that she inspired a song for a, like a Bush song, but neither has revealed which one. I remember listening to Bush X. Oh God. Yeah. I saw them last year too. Actually. Fun. I saw a whole bunch of nineties bands. It was great. I still love them. <laughs> So these next three are more inspired by the Kurt Courtney saga as opposed to just Courtney alone. Tori Amos, she penned Professional Widow. The song has lyrics like, don't blow those brains out yet. We got to be big boy. And Starfucker, Starfucker, just like my daddy. What? Uh, Yes. I don't get it. Well, as I told you, her dad... Was a roadie. But her dad has used Courtney as a way... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So the song also alludes to heroin addiction. When asked in an interview if it was about Courtney, Tori responded, allegedly, and then went on to say, Courtney has made certain choices just as I have. Okay. Again, not denied it, but or also not fully confirmed it. Um, in 2001, Scott Wayland penned Too Cool Queenie, which is on the Stone Temple Pilots album Shangri-La Da. It's clear what Wayland thought of her. Uh, the lyrics, there was this boy, he played in a rock and roll band. He wasn't half bad at saving the world. She said he could do no right, so he took his life. This story is true. Then he repeats the lyrics, what goes around comes around, and in the final verse says, this girl, she got real famous, and she made lots of money, and some of his too, but still she thinks she can do no wrong, just playing those songs, she's all too cool. Ouch. Yes. Scott and her, I'm pretty sure, were buddies, though. 
because Scott is also unfortunately um, a heroin user. He had a past with drug addiction, and I'm pretty sure they were buddies at a time, but apparently not when he penned this one. Yeah. Now, the most wickedly harsh one is by Primus. It's called Coattails of a Dead Man. Mm. It's about a man who became famous, then depressed, and then his fame-hungry wife. Uh, let me t- Let me read some of the lyrics. One day from the depths of his deep, darkened hole, he reached out for something to feel. She offered nothing but lack of respect, so he left himself with two barrels of steel. She cried in the day, she cried in the night, she cried loudest when someone was near, whether crying for him or she cried for herself, the bigger the camera, the bigger the tear. Most folks agree she was living a hell and publicly she showed her pain and never once was there a thought for herself and the ever-growing slices of fortune and fame. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yes. So some honorable mentions here. Apparently Tracy Bonham's Kisses is about Courtney. Tracy Bonham has said it's about someone who tries too hard to deteriorate in public for our enjoyment. Interesting. Yes. Um, and Billy Corgan has never said anything about this, but Courtney herself has claimed that pretty much every song on Siamese Dream the Smashing Pumpkins album is about her and also bodies and where boys fear to tread. And she says that where boys fear to tread is about her and Trent Reznor. She had a thing with him. Apparently Corgan was upset about that. And speaking of Reznor, it's said that his song star fuckers Inc is also about Courtney. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, Oh my good groupie goodness. <laughs> so yeah, she's basically queen of like the unwanted song. <laughs> I don't think she like appreciates most of these, but to end on a on a happier note, uh Nirvana's Heart Shaped Box was partly inspired by Courtney. And Courtney well, let me first just say hello to our friends the stupid girls, Allison <laughs> and Beck. Uh, they recently covered the song Malibu, which Courtney partly wrote about Kurt. Uh, she says that Kurt always had that dream of leaving the Hollywood junkie scene and let's just drive to Malibu and, you know, live, the boo. live happily ever after the boo. and get clean. And that was like their kind of heaven. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You should check out... Uh, yeah, they're really cute, really funny, really talented. Hi, girls. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much Courtney's Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for telling me that. Uh, I learned a lot. And I will, I'm sure our listeners did, too. Yes. I will make a little playlist for Spotify for those who want to hear all these songs that were mentioned. And I'll throw in a little Nirvana and some and, hole in there as well. Oh, fantastic. Um, now, I, like you, have your notes out in front of you. I saw that you, like when you turned on your computer, I saw two words. You haven't mentioned them, but I want to ask you about what I saw on your screen. Noel Fielding? Oh, yes. 
Hello. I am such a huge Noel Fielding fan. The Mighty Boosh inspired my, like, I had a light bulb wake up moment when I first saw the Mighty Boosh for the first time early on in high school. And I've been in love with this man ever since. I do know that, what I do know about them is that I think she might have been on as a guest on Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Mm -hmm. Or they were on some kind of panel show together. But now I'm wondering... I believe it's said that they had a relationship. Oh, she's so lucky. Yeah, I'm not sure how long they were together or anything like that. But they were definitely... Yeah, there's like pictures of them kissing and cuddling online. Yeah, they were definitely uh, a thing for a while. Oh, I'm so jealous. And I agree, Noel is such a babe. Yeah. And so funny. I might go find him when I'm in England this fall. <laughs> well, you should uh, talk to Allison. It's like, okay, <laughs> Allison. Every, every time I'm like, I shouldn't. And you're like, just talk to Allison. <laughs> Allison. Yeah, she's coming, coming for, for you. So, yeah, um, I love Courtney. I didn't want to get into too deep about the conspiracy theories around her and Kurt and I think that's at this point is just harmful for their daughter you yeah know? and it's unnecessary cool Courtney has her own amazing story with or without Kurt so let's just focus on everything she's accomplished and that she's been clean for a decade and yeah she's that's doing wonderful. really well yeah Obviously, um, well, obviously, like obviously, but uh, a couple of our last episodes have been talking a lot about addiction and recovery. So mm-hmm. happy to hear that she's kind of come it's out. certainly a reoccurring theme in the rock and roll scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Links. Of course. Alrighty. Well, that's it for us for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast. And Twitter at Shanti and Links. Yes, please do. We've been a lot more active there these days, and it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Um, you can check out some other podcasts that I was a guest on, guest interviewer. If you go to our Twitter and our Instagram, and you can find all the links for that. Some lovely photos of us and our groupies and groupie birthdays and it's just a whole lot of fun so Mm. come on and join us and thanks for sticking with us and if you're a new listener welcome and we hope you stick around i'll stick around (laughs) (laughs) see ya all right goodbye everybody have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered But wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.